Hey everybody, this is Zeta Grace giving you a nice little part two to the cheery little episode looking at white culture, Shrek and Breaking Bad, specifically that I covered last. We're moving on, taking our next classic, the surprisingly progressive feminist stance for Game of Thrones. As protocol, we're just not going to acknowledge the last few episodes very much. These showrunners... These are the two white men we should hold accountable for our problems. Have any of us been happy since? Fuck Christopher Columbus and our white savior mentality, you know, which is still going on because of all the white people in Florida, Texas, and Tennessee, etc., who know that we have a plague of biochemical warfare upon the U.S. and are really embracing their white colonialist expansive backgrounds that they claim to have come so far from by continuing to spread it within their communities and not caring. The irony. But D&D, Dooney and Burke, whoever the Imagineers of HBO's destruction and mutilation of George R.R. Martin's literary tact that is A Song of Ice and Fire, they deserve to be accountable for their sins. Black Mirror style. I'm thinking that episode where they wake up in a dystopia and can't remember why they're there, but they're being hunted. If we were a novel country really intent on our so-called military prestige, we could be using role-play scenarios like Black Mirror to reform our prison populations. Because our current criminal justice system is just as fucked, for the record. That's the type of conversion therapy I would prefer to see. Let's take all the actors and actresses who enjoy being characters for all of those Halloween horror nights at theme parks, slap them into role-play scenarios, then... We'll teach them empathy, but, you know, the same kind of empathy that your rape culture or conversion therapy mentality has. So we'll just extend the same empathy that the Trump administration or GOP or pretty much any religious groups have held for literally anyone other than themselves in the past year towards whether we should tell these people that it's a setup, you know? I personally like toying with emotions and really drilling in the reality for people. Why shouldn't rapists, domestic violence abusers, murderers, white politicians who use their status for individual financial gain and purposely mislead the citizens they were elected to represent have to enter a Hunger Games-style arena for the amusement of the normal working-class individuals who aren't sociopaths, that is the type of MMA Gladiator Coliseum television show that I would actually endorse but only if it involves healthy life lessons and it's really a trap and we pardon people based around the mentality that they employ over their actions or who they try to kill. In my reality, technology has advanced enough so we can just pause their actions or Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban time turner style it so that we can adjust the outcomes and save the good. In this case, like Buckbeak. For legal reasons, I feel like I should stress that is a joke. I'm well aware, however much I love the movie Law Abiding Citizen, that subjecting the people who hurt you to the same abuse you were subjected to is unfortunately not the way to go to employ change. Take the kid in grad school who went on a coked out rampage in my apartment only to threaten to shoot me and then physically intimidate me in my apartment complex where we both lived and also my employment as well as then continuing to do it out at local bars, who accused me of being too dramatic by involving the police. And then he also hired a lawyer to try and turn over my own family members (laughs) against me through Facebook Messenger. 
could I have demanded he go to actual prison instead of just being arrested and having to post bail, do community service, anger management, and domestic violence abusers classes? Yes. Could I have gotten him kicked out of school as well so he not only had no future chances of employment while he had that charge on him, but then he also didn't have his education? Yes. Did I? No. I think we should all thank me for taking the civil route and not following my impulse of just choking him out and throwing him in gator-infested waters. Why the fuck do your parents endorse and excuse that behavior? What the fuck did you tell them to manipulate the way that they looked at me in court with such vile contempt? Like I was somehow lying or downplaying it. The Queen's Gambit parallels real life. It's chess, not checkers. And just because you've excluded women up until this point doesn't mean that life isn't a woman's game. By now, we all know my love of Arya Stark. I most closely identified with her character, which will come as absolutely no surprise to any men who have dated me, or probably even if this is your first introduction to my sunny disposition in podcast slash blog. Arya studied her world, seeing how men were treated compared to herself, played along as best as she could while she remained true to her intuition. She understood the deep bond of animals, particularly those with equally stubborn, rogue, yet righteous behavior. She left, wandering around the earth frequently, covering it before it covered her. She wore several faces, capable of blending in in strange cities with false identities seamlessly. She was dangerous, an assassin, though never unprovoked or unjustly. Her steel disposition was exactly appropriate given the conditions in which she was raised, the inability to express herself, and the limitations placed upon her simply by being smaller and more vulnerable in sheer physicality, just by being a woman. However, let's take a look at men and the woman that Arya and the rest of Game of Thrones characters of strong moral character decide to fuck. Let's just start with Arya and everyone's good old fan favorite, Gendry, the white male brunette, symbol of unbothered naivety, but he was still determined to do the right thing as he could see it from his current position and or financial status. He followed Brienne of Tarth, learning from her, so we know he isn't against a nomadic lifestyle or following the lead of a female. Instead of traveling around the world with Arya, though, he's so intent on attaining his own lordship that he passes her up. He literally chose land ownership over her. I'm just going to say it. Arya is never going to fuck him again. This is not going to be someone she comes back and fucks every few years when she's in town. She's moved on. He made his choice, and that's just not her. Let's be real. Arya probably aligns more so with the woman in Dorne anyways. Let's next consider most white males' favorite character, Jon Snow. Oh, such a hottie. Oh, my dear Jon Snow. First, Kit Harrington is a fucking babe. I was introduced to Game of Thrones by my ex-boyfriend, the same one I broke up with at his sister's rehearsal dinner at a five-star resort, which was well-deserved, and I will explain some other time. He just doesn't deserve the spotlight currently. House Stark, the noble, hard, and real history of the land, combined with House Targaryen, the fiery, passionate fantasy 
brought together as one. It's no wonder that people rallied behind this character development. I myself would personally love for porn to be legalized and sex work to not be so taboo so that we can get the fanfic version of pornographic romance novels that all of these women write because ladies, that is hot. As an aside, men are only visual creatures because we've conditioned them to be. Allowing toxic masculinity is females' downfall as well as men's, and I'm just going to start pulling out Kanye's slavery as a choice comment because it is a choice to remain ignorant and sheltered in today's day and age when you have a phone and the internet in your pocket. It is a privilege to not question your reality because ignorance is fucking bliss, and that's because the reality is scary. Nobody said it was going to be easy. There is a reason our default of woman in the USA is somebody who is insecure, who questions their worth, who feels unsafe alone in public, who compares themselves to every other woman around them. But it literally does not have to be that way. That is the product of generations of female submission and refusal to acknowledge that as inappropriate is actually because we are still doing things for solely male satisfaction. But the same mentality that convinced men that their entire lives were devoted to growing up, going off to war, and dying, leaving women to raise the children and fend for themselves, has now changed it so these men are returning home, picking up a Playboy magazine and convincing their wives to go get fake tits and put actual foreign objects that have to be changed every decade or so with an invasive surgical procedure into their bodies to be more fashionable and appealing for their own pleasure. For somebody else's pleasure, you're going to put something into your body. But these same males then won't pick up a book and learn about how savagely you want them. The allure of the crust of their cock dripping in your cum and how that looks illuminated in the moonlight. When you entertain that mentality, you allow it to continue. Stop entertaining it. Stop entertaining phrases like, do you believe in climate change like it's Santa Claus? Stop allowing the bar to be on the actual ground for men and then for them to dig a Stanley Yelnat style hole and somehow lower the bar even further and then have you just accept it because your quote unquote clock is ticking. Ladies, level the fuck up. We did not grow up watching the Lizzie McGuire movie just to settle for Paolo. I guarantee you conditioning them for it to be the norm for them to actually have to fucking work to be an acceptable equal partner, they can do it. We are participation trophying our white men and it has got to stop for their own good. They do not deserve you. Accept that and wait or move on and find someone who actually does. Live up to your full potential as a human, not as a rehabilitation center denying yourself of the light that you provide for others, yet you somehow have convinced yourself isn't possible for yourself. Back to Game of Thrones. Let's move on to Jon Snow slash Aegon Targaryen. Egret, a feisty little wildling, kissed by fire. Jon Snow was literally the first semi-civilized man from a non-wild society that she encountered. And that turned her on. He was also the bad guy to her, technically, which, as we all know, is absolutely a turn on. 
nothing like a little rebellion against the patriarchy to, you know, get a girl going. So she fucked him. Egret is about to be every fucking person out of quarantine who has actually been following guidelines. The STD rates are going to skyrocket. As an epidemiologist, I can see it now. It was either Jon Snow or men who had made casual rape threats because they could, which she knows weren't really casual and were secretly indications of what they would try to do the first chance they got, which is why it's not funny to make jokes about that on social media for all the men in Southern Maryland. So they were forcing her to fully embrace her wildness, and she had to literally live in a state of constant survival mode, even amongst her own people. Hats off to you, man. You know, we got to give it to Jon Snow. He had, you know, some tough competition there. In his defense, for following his intuition and going down on her just because he wanted to, we'll give him some props, because we got to love a good spontaneity and desire to work for someone else's pleasure. 10 out of 10. However... In typical white male fashion, he fucks her once and then leaves. Real technicality to the whole hit and quit it. Jon Snow, much like Elsa from Frozen, though, was just pulled by some higher calling and felt like he had to venture into the unknown. It's why Egret was drawn to him. So we don't fault him for leaving her. She knew that was his character. She just didn't know that him prioritizing honesty to someone else, himself, would take priority over her, especially when she never judged him for being honest previously. This is something, as a human with PTSD, that I also understand. The idea that you have to find meaning in your life is one of the greatest human challenges and one I grapple with constantly, probably even harder than Jon Snow did with scaling the wall. Why else would you have experienced the sheer number of things that you've experienced, been born into? What is your purpose on this world? I personally think people go into two categories. One, reproduction, which, yes, biologically that's relevant and your family may bring you happiness, but I think it's a little selfish to think that you're such a gift to this world that you you were blessed with the ability to reproduce. Mm, no, I'm going to judge your character a little bit more intently than that. And I don't think you all should be able to reproduce if you're shitty people. It just shouldn't work that way. Two, we have the you use your time on this earth to do something with it group. <laughs> and America loves a good underdog story in that regard. Still, Jon Snow took advantage of the opportunity to fuck Egret and ignored the reality that he had no intention of being with her long term and that they had opposite political views that were soon coming to head. We can like him for who he is and still condemn the way he treated her for whatever reason, whatever motives. She would have left for him, by the way, if he had just explained, because she was loyal to him, not to the wildlings. He just didn't want to bother explaining it because he either didn't quite understand it himself or just wasn't willing to risk that. So then Jon Snow watches while Egret dies in his arms. Ironic that she is killed by the same person who later goes on to stab Jon Snow himself. Hindsight bias and all. And Jon loves her and he knows his life will not be the same without her. So much so that Kit Harrington went on to marry her in real life because at least he's not as much of an idiot as his character was. He didn't want to lose a good thing while he had it. Then, John swears off women for a little bit, 
start his new life, eventually reclaiming his title of Lord of Winterfell, King of the North, only after getting his bitch ass rescued by Sansa and all of her hard political work with one of the most devious people in the entire universe, who she traveled solo with for months and years, who sold her off to a man who raped her and flayed her, and Sansa kept playing the Game of Thrones because you either win or you die. Sansa is a domestic violence hero. She is a fucking G. Anyone who wonders why it takes women so fucking long to come forward, or why you think they don't speak up or won't be believed, or why they only come forward when the harsh realization that because they don't, this jackass who made their life hell may solidify himself in a position of power, please fucking watch Game of Thrones and tell me what the fuck else Sansa should have done. She is hugely underappreciated and the media does not cover the reality of her storyline because it's uncomfortable, you know? She was the next legitimate female in line to her familial heritage. She did her fucking duties and listened to her elders. And then her step-sibling just shows back up, claims the title over her head, and just expects her to blindly trust his word when there's not a damn chance Sansa can trust any man's word ever again, family or not. We just simply do not give Sansa enough credit. So John, with Sansa's help, becomes king of the north. And he can finally wage war on the White Walkers, which is, in fact, the more pressing matter than who actually lives in King's Landing, so props to him. You know, at least John was capable of realizing that life or death was more important than the economy. <laughs> you know, all of that gold on Casterly Rock. He also managed to convince Queen Daenerys that she should not, in fact, take her army towards Cersei, and she should also instead do what all great leaders are actually supposed to be capable of, which, again, recognizing the reality of life or death is more important than the pursuit of royal titles or re-election. We should point out, though, that there was a significant sexual seduction on Jon Snow's part, just by the nature of how hot it is when a man is doing the right thing for the greater good. So who can blame Daenerys for surrendering to the penis? Cardi B live tweeted about how hard that was going to be just a few weeks ago. Although, since Jon Snow technically bent the knee and it was also after he was already agreeing to help her, this meant that not only was Daenerys his aunt, but she was also his superior. I am sure that Pornhub had a field day with that one. As a white, blonde, college girl, horse girl, athlete with abs, a big butt, small tits, the fetishization of literally every single thing about me is ridiculous. If I'm in a full lab coat, it's sexy. If I'm running on the side of the road, it's sexy. All because I fit these stupid categorized ways for men to express sexual rage and convince themselves that coming a tablespoon of secreted fluid that holds your shitty genetic code somehow makes you powerful, which is just sad. Not to mention new science suggests the Y chromosome, responsible for housing the male DNA, is structurally weaker, as are the balls to a vagina. Yet men are the stronger sex. Woohoo! Trump should just be a really good reminder that just because you declare a point over and over again doesn't make it true. We learned that with Michael Scott, you know, back in the office. 
The louder you are, the less power you usually actually command. Our military leaders could remind themselves of this and that their goal should be to not go to war. So at this point, why are women not exploiting that for financial gain? Why do women not exploit their sexuality for that capital, baby? It's capitalism. This is the USA. If I can make money doing something and marriage is an economic proposition for a woman, why would I not? How is prostitution in general even still illegal with Florida's shoddy massage parlors, frequently visited which by politicians and law enforcement? How is it that Texas's strip club culture in general, where pretty much anything goes, only fans and the amount of men who have porn addictions, still haven't caused us to reassess this on a national stage? Daenerys, however, she was smart. She was more lethal, less encumbered, and more desirable single, at least publicly. A reminder to all white blonde women everywhere. I would actually be genuinely interested to work on a research project assessing the analytical trends over how different pop culture and entertainment influence preferences throughout society over time. In reference to Pornhub, seeing the trends and cyclical patterns around new HBO shows with increased nudity, because for some reason we think the human body in its natural or sexual state is somehow inherently scandalous and dirty, thus making it more enticing, as well as the trends in the sex toy industry, health outcomes of the locality, so like STD raids, pregnancies, domestic violence trends, and religious norms or societal construct acceptance function over time. I imagine it's like the molecular cell version of dynamic societal structure, moving parts that work seemingly separate, yet come together to function as a whole and represent a larger picture. You reach a certain action potential of influence and suddenly the behavior is predictably distinct and incapable of returning to its ground state until it has run its course. However, within cells and healthy functioning human bodies, the cells that are responsible for spreading disease are usually taken out by our immune system. In the USA, we just slap the word freedom on it and let them run around rampant. Let's take a closer look at Danny, Amelia Clark mother of dragons. Exiled into the free cities as a youth, she broke the captivity of the enslaved all over Yonkai, Marine, and the Great Grass Sea. Kind of like how I imagine Abraham Lincoln navigated slavery negotiations in northern United States. Baby steps with progress, you know? Replacing one corrupt ruling class with another that just enslaves the original masters does nothing in the grand scheme of things. She was content, though, for the time being, sitting and ruling there with her three little dragons in endless war, because ultimately, she was an outsider and a white blonde woman would never be accepted. History shows us that won't really help you in the long run, and turmoil was inevitable at some point. The USA and our military power has entered the chat. (laughs) She responded to bullying with bullying. Because sometimes there is no clear way to achieve justice and a bitch just needs some time to really think about what we're supposed to do next. I honestly think by the time Danny meets John, she has classically conditioned herself to get off to men who tell her no. Which I understand completely. Power is sexy. Why do we think we had such an insurgence of BDSM crazes after Fifty Shades of Grey made it more socially acceptable to be outwardly sexual with your intrigue by power for women. Or how the fact that it was directed for women's entertainment was such a novel thing. 
that it caused a huge cascade of changes in cultural norm and societal outrage to a degree. Dwight Schrute was right about nostalgia, and he was also right about the harm in empowering young girls with things like the Girl Scouts, because once they recognize their worth, it is fucked for all of you. And the attempts to belittle powerful, strong women, or how powerful women were once condemned as witches, there was a reason Khaleesi was a sex symbol. The art of seduction, the allure of power, and every so often, that gets wrapped into the body of a devious analyst incapable of ignoring the horrors of the world because just being a woman means you were subjected to them even from the facade of a pedestal, however temporarily. And your outward physical appeal offers you a natural in and the ability to manipulate circles that you would otherwise have to ask to be amongst. Danny's success has all come after men have repeatedly told her no. And yet, we don't expect her to find the well-respected king in front of her, also a chosen leader amongst his followers, telling her no to really drive her wild. She stood no chance in her entire life she was conditioning herself for that to be her weakness. By the time she meets John, Danny had lived a life in servitude to her narcissistic brother, who she was smarter than, and being a woman, had to learn the patience and tact that he lacked. Her brother, however, sold her off to a hot-ass dude at least, but again, a guy that raped her mercilessly and ran the risk of having a reputation as a savage murderer. So she had to play her cards very carefully. My favorite part of The Handmaid's Tale is the Margaret Atwood quote about how men are afraid women will laugh at them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. Granted, Danny handles her own, that Stockholm Syndrome turns to love, which is really just a survival tactic because she had no other option, so your mind just learns to accept it. And when Call Drogo dies, Danny maintains power after her little Harley Quinn-esque stunt with the fire. Danny, at some point, takes a strictly cuckold lover in the form of Jorah Mormont, who understands and does not expect Danny to love him back. That is the kind of unrequited love we want white men to endorse. Yes, King, like go off, cure your mysterious illness, come back with your newfound freedom to live under my servitude and expect nothing but greatness from me. Absolutely nothing sexual in nature. You're not friend zoned. It's just like off the table. You're not a simp for respecting women, by the way, in case I haven't said it enough before. Bitch, let me be your Khaleesi, go off to war alongside me, understand that I have a greater purpose that does not necessarily include your cock being inside me, and live your life driven by the enjoyment of finally serving good. If you happen to fall in love with me in the process, that is simply the price we pay. What is so difficult about that for men to understand? Obviously, we see why two white male writers decided they had to kill her off so haphazardly and abruptly, and to this day, we have no explanation for why they felt it was necessary to cram an entire movie into each episode instead of just advancing the plot and providing the details we wanted. We can't empower females that much, though. The story makes way more sense with this rushed, botched, unapologetic mentality. Literally nobody is to blame in that except for the writers and producers. The actors somehow felt like they were being attacked in interviews after the season finale. No, no, no. Your characters were fine. We wanted three more seasons worth of information from them. 
Danny also has an absolute banger of a slam piece in Dario. And I'm not sure if it's just my weakness for white brunette men with longer hair and armor, but damn. He did peacock a little too much for my liking, but again, like Danny, unfortunately into it. However, let's give her props for knowing those men do not make good husbands and you should not give them equal ruling power. Danny still agrees to the marriage of his Darzo Lorak, though, who ultimately tries to kill her so her judgment when influenced by other men in her cabinet is at least off at best. Her intuition did tell her not to trust him, though, just to throw it out there. She just ultimately listened to the advice of her white male advisors and how being married would make her more likable for the citizens to accept. All fitting conversation, particularly since a woman or person in general, is most likely to be murdered by someone they actually know, which turned out to be the exact scenario that ultimately unveiled itself in the Coliseum, especially as far as partners are involved. So anyone with even a hint of true crime obsession should have expected this. It was disappointing still, because come on, Danny, I know it wasn't the threat of tribal gang rape with a misstep, but it was the swift death or imprisonment. Being kept as a figurine as long as your beauty lasted, and the red flags were frankly there. Marriage was an economic proposition from him from the beginning. He had no interest in you or your motives, only your power. And you deserve to be wholly admired. Do not settle. So, enter Jon Snow. The first guy to tell her no and that he won't bend the knee. Who she actually respects. Ironic, given his willingness to bend the knee for regret. Hey yo. Anyways, Jon Snow, man of his word, already has people who are counting on him. So that stark loyalty holds out and he will not be swayed by the dangerous waters of Daenerys' wet-ass pussy. Danny, loving a good reverse psychology move, suddenly feels compelled to do exactly what he wants. He wasn't intimidated by her, like most other guys, and he called her on her bullshit. He made her shift her perspective. And because she is a reasonable woman whose character was horribly butchered by a bunch of people maddened to sell out for Star Wars, who ultimately got cut from that project, so karma's a bitch, she listens to reason and agrees. And because honesty and accountability is sexy, she fucks the shit out of him and his muscular ass on her ship. You know, she probably fucked him on one of those dragons too, off screen, her own version of the Mile High Club, a very exclusive club. I'm an equestrian and I'm just going to say, there's a lot of similarities in the hip action of riding horses and riding dicks. And it's annoyingly accurate because men, again, then proceed to fetishize everything country about me and send me snapchats of their boots in a Bud Light. Almost like my beer of choice isn't Bud Heavy. And then they aren't even dirty boots. They're perfectly clean boots because these men are not country at all and just associate horse girl porn with me. Or because I'm a horse girl and have had access to riding crops at a younger age than most women, understand what power they wield and how to employ them. Because I'm not exclusively a sexual freak though, unlike American men seem to be, because you know sexuality is still so repressed with all of our Christian influence, I can separate it and not get turned on by the idea of literally just riding my fucking horses. 
just like Daenerys can ride her dragon into battle and have practical weaponry that isn't sexual by default. It just can be by occasion. Compartmentalization. On the theme of flying dragons, just think of what we will be able to do with AI porn in the future in reference to fantasy novels. This is why we should be investing in the gaming communities. Our time could be invested in lifelike fantasy porn and even better Lord of the Rings series over leaking celebrity nudes through a hotel door lock or fake smoke detector. I'd rather have a ridiculous amount of sex-crazy furries post-game in EDC Carnival with sexual promiscuity than construction workers who catcall me and follow me on my walk from my apartment where I live alone to my college class in the same hospital that they are employed to work on. You try to tell me the millennial youth waited in line overnight in freezing temperatures to be the first in a theater to see Princess Leia, Legolas, Hermione, yet there would not be a market for really well-done porn parodies or movies that are actual stories and the sex is both realistic and artistic and contributes legitimately to the story and relationship. Legalized porn, require diversity in a male-dominated industries and consumer protection laws. That is what I was born for. I will Lady Gaga the fuck out of the porn industry as an actress, costume designer, director, producer, lawyer, everything. I will be my only fan. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not really. Danny, whether it's the impending doom of an upcoming battle or the enjoyment of the one time when at his manliest, Jon Snow has to surrender fully to her in order to come. Keeps Jon Snow wrapped around her finger for a time at least. In typical white male history, he does look the other way during a few tyrannical missteps and abuses of power, but then, only once his own loyalty is questioned, does he step forward to condemn her use of violence, in doing so, daggering her under false pretenses. I will agree with Jon Snow in that leaders should have to deal the hand of violence themselves. At the very least, I'm with Jon Snow that they should be held accountable for the violence they're responsible for, whether they cause it indirectly or not. In the U.S., our politicians serve the many-faced God and only emerge as it benefits them before retreating into their wealthy, luxurious seclusion of mystery. That, or they go to war under the premise of terrorism but really just benefiting the oil industry in Texas so that once their term's over, they can conveniently step aside and comfortably attend Cowboys NFL games with Ellen DeGeneres. Every once in a while, though, we still get a real Tywin Lannister or Jeff Bezos content to rule over the peasants in Flea Bottom from his golden toilet, fully capable and having the funds to personally change their conditions, but choosing not to. Pretending the dynasty he created is not problematic in major ways as long as he's above them. And it's just a clever use of the system, embraced by white men everywhere who refuse to actually Google the difference in minimum wage from 10 years ago compared to now and the cost of living to account for inflation with what a public state college might have cost them back in the day. Most of the time, the men in our lives are the Jon Snows, though. The signs were all there. He was always going to be the hot, powerful woman's downfall. And he only stepped forward when the woman both no longer benefited him in any way, and he could no longer ignore his problems and hope they solve themselves. Why are we supposed to idolize this man as a white woman? That's all I'm saying to this. I just think we as a collective whole should step back and really look at white culture and see the kind of things we continue to encourage and promote. John told Danny no before, 
He could have done so again privately. Granted, the burning of the Tarleys was a little bit off kilter, but Europeans will line up to view public executions for fun. We used to back in the day. These were men at war, and whether they were related to Sam or not, they were stubborn, adamant men who refused to listen to reason in false shows of bravado. But, like Braun points out, all men will shit themselves when they die all the same. The only part about Jon Snow disagreeing with Daenerys that she kept getting annoyed with was when, as natives to the land that she was apparently born into, but then outcast from, you know, on account of the whole persecution beginning at birth by people who wanted her dead, her only allies she had in this supposed homeland, which again, is completely foreign to her, kept criticizing her in front of a group of other natives who also had armies nearby and doubted her claim to the throne. I think she was right to be both paranoid and a little pissed. John didn't want to explain his logic behind her being a different kind of ruler. Logic which, need I remind you, she constantly spoke passionately of herself on several occasions. So assuming she was just ignorant to it after risking life and limb in her entire army to fight the Night King for these ungrateful fucks is a little out of character. Even factoring in Masande's murder, the death of one, and now two, of her dragons, and what an incorrigible twat Cersei Lannister was, we were expected to believe that a white woman whose character trajectory lies in daddy issues and distinctly making a point of not living up to her Mad King father's name still turned out so bad after all of that trauma. Jon Snow could have snuck into her bedroom, taken her aside in the hall, literally anything else to explain his own tactics or methods of invasion, and instead he stood by her and let her fall upon his dagger and we were supposed to think it was the right thing tragic that our bar for men is so fucking low. Now, let's switch directions again and give a special shout out to Melisander, amazing sexual goddess. She would 100% be on witch talk if she had a TikTok. A real horoscope hippie woman. Probably would sell essential oils on Instagram while also having pay pigs in her DM. Usual. A true mark of ageism in Hollywood when she's weakest at her ugliest and oldest. Her power is hidden in all of her gems. Not to derail the conversation, but did you know that jewelry and gems were common gifts for women for generations because women weren't allowed to even open their own bank accounts in the USA until like the 1970s? And if they had to leave abruptly, you know, because of their abusive husbands, they could just steal away with their valuables and have something to sell off and afford to survive or bribe would be captors with. However, that bath scene with Melisandre should also be a solid reminder for all men that women can look very different with filters, makeup, and plastic surgery. What I personally would like is for women to not feel like they need to do so many things, particularly not for men. <laughs> Working in the medical industry, I'm struggling because I am all for plastic surgery. My sutures for Mohs have often been compared to a plastic surgeon's closures. I was so flattered. However... Getting surgery to change an insecurity does not change the reason for the insecurity. Why do you feel like something is wrong with your body? Why is our default woman in society somebody who is self-conscious and doubting his or her or themselves? This affects men too. So I want y'all to listen and think before you ever encourage 
dare or suggest a woman gets plastic surgery or some medical procedure that could significantly alter her nerve endings. This isn't anti-trans either in any way for full disclosure. At no point in the future do I want to embody any kind of JK Rowling energy post-2010 to this planet. I fully understand body dysmorphia and how problematic it is for our society. We have the medical procedures in place, so we might as well use them if it makes people feel more comfortable in their natural selves. That is not what's under discussion. Feeling uncomfortable in your body so that you can accept yourself is very different from being socially bullied into feeling like you need to physically change yourself for the acceptance of others, particularly men and lovers. When you begin the process of questioning your gender identity, if you identify as transgender, you have regular visits with healthcare providers, access to hormonal treatments, close monitoring of how your hormones are affected and changing throughout the process, and most of all, you have therapy. You have to talk about why you identify differently or what caused these feelings to emerge. Yet, when women are constantly going through hormonal changes throughout their lives and fluctuations that are beyond their control, we place them in environments with unrealistic expectations for them compared to virtually any male in the vicinity. How would we not expect them to get some type of body dysmorphia as well? Why do we cater to the fact that they'll pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to physically change the way they look, not for themselves, but for the attractive allure of mating, just like Melisandre's horny ass did? Why do we allow them to get pretty significant, even though they're routine, medical procedures for fun, because they can, without asking why they should? I know women who opened up credit cards to pay for cosmetic procedures, who fucked men they didn't even like to get cosmetic procedures, who got cosmetic procedures for men only to find them uncomfortable, if not deadly, just for those men to cheat. We fully enable that cultural mentality and allow it for it to be the norm for women to cater to men on a silver platter, adjusting their sexuality for the male gaze. We actually do not question or protect consumers in any way, shape, or form, and consumers are historically most commonly women, so why should we? They are paying customers. They have expendable cash. We allow women like the Kardashians to exploit it too. How can we not? Kim changed her male-driven audience in Playboy or sex tape exposure to a female, young adult, housewife, and queer art audience. So it's hard for me to judge them because I'm all about self-growth and I really try to find common ground over the fact that they are just people in the USA trying to make a dollar in a capitalist society. They once exploited the male gaze for the money of men, though, and now they exploit women, children, and youth, feeling like they need to pay for makeup to create entirely new characters for themselves in order for them to be loved. We idolize athletes for throwing a ball at a target at a certain speed, for perfecting their skills at their disposal that society told them to hone. Why should we not love a woman's creative concept and visual life form using themselves as their own muses? Why do we admire it for an artist to see the worth in something else, but then consider it narcissism for a woman to be self-confident and invest in herself, particularly in a society that places individualism above all else? Why are the women treated differently for such? And the same fan base that mocks the Kardashians and complains about how prevalent they are still want to hear Tommy Lauren's points on every serious political topic in the news so they can simmer down. We don't come for Jeff Bezos with the same energy we come for their Kardashians. 
And they at least do a lot to address women's fertility struggles, co-parenting and abnormal family dynamics, the criminal justice system, while also capitalizing on the beauty and fashion industries and things like fit tees, which exploit the USA's poor educational system, lack of health and health care, sustainable industry and consumer welfare. Courtney, the only sane one, literally was mocked for wanting to enjoy her cash money millionaire status and just be a fucking mom. I really do try to find the good in everyone. However, sitting out this election silently because your husband refused to go on medication and ran for president, likely in some back alley deal to secure funding for his easy Christian campaign in school, was a hard one to look past. Kanye thinks he's some kind of LeBron when really he just wants people to worship him. LeBron, you can tell, is a genuinely good dude and family person. That is a man of some character. The fact that he also has talent, incredible. That's also how you can tell LeBron is an athlete because he knows that when he's no longer physically performing to their liking, his fans will turn against him. He's had it happen several times. Kanye, however, just switches musical genres with a the customer is always right mentality and follows the money all the way to mega churches. Much like The Rock, I hope LeBron has nothing but good energy headed his way. Kanye, though, musical genius, Mozart of the rap genre, absolute nightmare narcissistic jerk in every other realm. He and Kim's marriage works because at least at one point he loved Kim as much as she loves herself, as she should, because again, you should love yourself. It is not narcissistic to inherently love yourself and be proud or share what you do or even capitalize on it. The narcissism is both in the intent behind it and then what you choose to do with your time once you do have that platform. Industries like fashion, makeup, interior design, homemaking, etc. are some of the only female-dominated industries because they were the easiest transitions in the American economy from housewives. Kylie Jenner being a billionaire in an industry that exploits the need to change yourself or mask how you look does not interest me, however empowering she finds it. For the beautiful artistic look, sure, but that's the outspoken minority of influencers and not the majority of her product users or consumers. I honestly just find it kind of sad that the media bullied her into thinking that she was ugly and had to seek out so much work. Now, Kylie Jenner funding a tech firm for women to just be engineers and creators for problems unique to women that largely go underfunded? How about a research center aimed at women in science who can study and hypothesize without having to answer to the elitist of professionalism that the STEM community has or having to wear high heels and skirts instead of athleisure? How often would you wear makeup if you weren't interested in being perceived a certain way for someone else's, but particularly the male gaze? How many pairs of high heels would you insist on wearing despite their discomfort? How many beauty products would you buy and then spend hours doing, convincing yourself that you're investing in your skin when really you're just investing in vanity? How much more productive would your time actually be if you invested it in something other than the pursuit of a mate or the religious study of a Hollywood whitewashed protagonist that you've somehow deluded yourself into thinking wasn't a liberal? I'm not undermining these industries either. I'm just saying finding your niche in an industry that is already dominated by people just like you is not novel. You're not bringing something new if you just want to objectively be the best new artist If you like makeup, be a fucking biochemist and learn how to make the actual makeup and what effects different product lines have on skin and things like that. 
If you're a hairdresser, get a chemistry degree and learn how the products you use actually affect the biological condition of your hair cells. Or how much of it is complete bullshit. Empowering women means not being dependent on males for anything. Or the need for partnership in general. It's you feeling whole as yourself. Including relying on them for a paycheck or catering solely to that male audience. Just go into science and STEM and make these industries and our country in general more ethical, diverse, and profitable without almost exclusively benefiting massive corporations and generational wealth. Which in the Kardashians' defense, they have a lot of fucking kids. They need a lot of generational wealth. (laughs) Chris is a momager. We already knew she was that businesswoman. Stop continuing to push the confidence of good skin, hair, or her pants with pockets because of how they make you feel in front of men, instead of focusing on how it makes you feel about yourself. At the end of the day, spending hours of your time in front of a mirror in any way, identifying and covering your imaginary perceived flaws just to be more socially acceptable is not empowerment in any form. Toxic masculinity is being threatened because the push-up bra, fake tit, Barbie mentality of U.S. frat culture is being called into chaos with movies like Bombshell and their precious Margot Robbie going off the rails with Harley Quinn once Birds of Prey was written for women and not men. So naturally, the men are a little butthurt. They wanted her on screen visually appealing for their gaze and naivety. When she wisened up, dressed for practicality, and beat them at their own game, they lost interest. And Margot Robbie probably loves to play these characters fooling men at their own games. Sexuality is a weapon. It is toxic masculinity's weakness and it pisses the ever-loving fuck out of men for realizing not only are they powerless to it, because they aren't, but that women are only willing to do it as long as they still benefit from it. And gone are the days when women want to sit around all day and wait for a man. They have goals of their own, ideas, innovations, Things to offer the world other than exclusively children and their bodies. Those are the women we should be highlighting. But when every industry, private corporation, wealthy family in the USA is historically controlled by a minute portion of our citizenship, largely white religious families, you're still catering to male mentality as long as you continue to play into it. And the most annoying part is that you have to play into it if you want to get your foot in the door sometimes. You can't just topple structures from the outside, catapulting insults, hurling scientific notations and theories and evidence just for them to barricade themselves within their own palaces. You have to Trojan horse the fuck out of life, gain their interest or at least their curiosity, and sometimes even just fear will work. Methodically plan your ruse, execute it flawlessly. You can burn the place down around you, emerging from the flames like Daenerys, or haphazardly leap out in faith like Arya. Expose your own vulnerability, but know that doing so is necessary to let you sink that final dagger in. So call her daddy splits, and some guys are still clinging to Dave Portnoy because he was the Spartan warrior that led them to victory. That an average-looking white guy perpetuating the Johnny Knoxville jackass style of drinking culture with the ego of Dan Bilzerian who goes on to publicly humiliate Sophia Franklin in a hate campaign akin to the Monica Lewinsky takedown by the media and Hillary Clinton back in the day, all for just knowing her fucking worth and what the money actually was, you know, Sophia's image, likeness, persona, and talent, and yet that man is still somebody you like. That is exactly how Donald Trump became president because TFM and TSM became a cult mentality 
particularly for the SEC, college football, and the NFL, became modern-day slavery and exploitation of someone, commonly black men's, bodies for physical power and financial gain, only a minute portion of which is being routed to the actual man in question, though. You guys wonder why football players won't let their children play football, and then you continue to tell your own kids to. Do not get me started on the influencer parade that has become a once-comedic podcast, either, in reference to Call Her Daddy. Flaunting drama, insecurity, and sexual deviance for solely external validation and financial profit, overusing it to become a better person is just straight up not the move. Everyone should just switch over to Sophia with an F. It's much better. But how can I assert that when we live in a capitalist economy and money is power? When you don't need an education to be financially successful, but the point of being and becoming financially successful enough so that you actually enjoy who you are as a person should not be a far-off dream. Who you are as a person also affects your influence in this world, and unfortunately, our society focuses and highlights and continues to fund the negative. Look at how fucking Logan Paul fighting Conor McGregor is going. Don't even get me started on how the MMA is one of the least reputable sports because you should never glorify Barbary just because your own pathetic upbringing made you have to literally fight to survive so much that you're willing to risk and endorse significant brain trauma because you bring so little to the table elsewhere. Why is that our choice for society? You just... You want to be like a rabid dog? Why is it so easy to become rich and powerful from being a shitty fucking human? Change our fucking tax break system for the love of God and tax the fucking rich so scientists can afford to eat and healthcare officials can pay their bills during a pandemic and just in general. How the fuck did you all think America became the best country in the world? Which, by the way, (laughs) is not the case. Did you think it was solely because we had jackasses who were so desperate to assert their dominance and worth, which you sit on a throne of fucking lies, because seriously, how the fuck is the legacy you want to leave behind in the world? You being such a fucking twat that you videotape a dead body for a prank YouTube channel in a foreign country that we bombed the fuck out of during World War II and horribly altered for generations to come, and who already has a significant suicide problem. You literally do not deserve to have a fucking platform and you think that because you can control the minds of those who are naive or caught up in the entertainment value of it, that you know all because you're financially successful. The people who are actually smart and deserve these kinds of platforms are not those who are so egotistical that they refuse to use it to re-examine their own beliefs. They use it solely for entertainment or an escape because that's probably how it functions for them to avoid confronting the emptiness within them. It gives the false pretense that athletes or the NBA should somehow have any sway in reopening the economy when in reality, the government should be more than competent enough to be able to pay individuals to literally stay the fuck home for a few weeks. Pause all of these imaginary payments on bullshit businesses, properties, or items that were just created as ways to harness capitalism. None of it matters. Your small business shouldn't go under because you literally shouldn't have to leave your house. In a country with insecure and unaffordable housing, lack of emphasis on healthcare, and generations of propaganda on how universal healthcare is somehow unrealistic, as well as absolutely no evidence that our default trickle-down economics was working because surprise, surprise, it was never meant to. 
Our ability to avoid the realities of the world and conveniently turn on a baseball or football game, sports, which, by the way, very few, if any, other countries play, then watch reality TV about drinking, partying, and dating as if those are the actually the only important things in this world, and numbing ourselves to the bleak outlook of the society around us because we're too afraid to fail at changing it, needs to be confronted. We cannot keep idolizing symbols who are literally just dribbling a fucking ball over the people who keep our society functioning in the background, the actual essentials, the ones who let you forget the hard stuff because you don't personally have to focus on it, not the ones who give you the distraction. Those people should absolutely not have to live in poverty just because they chose to help people. What the actual fuck is wrong with all of you? And you conflate the fact that you attribute money and financial success to power and education. That someone like Dave Portnoy, a guy who made it rich just enjoying college sports, hot women, and different pizza, is some symbol of what you too can accomplish. If this pot-bellied lunatic who looks like Vinny from Jersey Shore's Distant Cousins, or maybe even one of those country-style wannabe, the suburban blue-collar men Snooki would have smushed back in the day, I don't listen to the platform much since I'm an actual adult in age, not mentality. And I just don't think it's really the move to empower fraternal culture mentality like that. Especially not after my ex-boyfriend's entire family was very much a part of the alive and thriving chapter of Kappa Alpha Order at Auburn, or KA, whose founder was actually Robert E. Lee. A fact they genuinely enjoy sharing and take pride in because they idolize him. Which is difficult, because despite not being a sorority girl myself, a lot of my friends are. I enjoy the opportunity for creative outlets it provides. The parties, the costumes, the themes. The idea behind groups of women or men united with a common goal and becoming a better version of themselves, I like that. That's just not usually the norm in how they end up functioning. How is it that children in Germany grow up visiting actual concentration camps learning the horrors of their history so it doesn't dare repeat itself, yet the American education system is framed in such a way that we think racial segregation happened millenniums ago, and children in Florida reenact the Civil War for fun and not for educational purposes to remind them of how inappropriate eugenic-based motivating factors are. We had a fascist government and nearly half of all voting Americans were too blind by the Republican cult mentality of always you know, standing your ground, defending your stance, that they don't realize developed nations are supposed to have actually competent governments that can coordinate and provide things like health care, safety of all citizens, affordable housing. Almost every Jewish symbol in our country, including the Seoul and Frank Memorial, has been vandalized this Hanukkah by white supremacists. How the fuck did some of you grow up reading Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and not realize who the bad people in this country are? Hint, It's generally not the political party accepting the results of a fair and honest election in an honorable manner, or the one employing a diverse staff, trying to work on things that actually fucking matter, and keeping a society functioning over falsely thinking that just because you make a paycheck and have an opinion, that it should actually matter at all. Just because your stupid made-up Wall Street job of managing imaginary bank accounts that are supposed to correlate to your worth and productivity as a human being is not a legitimate job and you feel like your life is a made-up lie, so instead of working on being a better person or switching into a field that actually helps people, whatever, 
you fuel your life with drugs, money, and enough women to avoid the reality that either you might be a little gay yourself, you're at least curious, you do in fact feel inadequate about the size of your dick, or owning the reality because again, it is just a job, everyone needs a job to function, you know, but again, you don't need to spend half of your waking hours doing something that doesn't matter. Owning that reality in a way that helps those who follow you to not have to go through the same torment you went through, or at least to feel like they're not alone and not liking that, is important. The men of Dorne, tying it back to Game of Thrones, were not brutishly toxic males, and they also lived in sandy beach havens where the sun always shone. Oberlin oozed sex appeal more than Michael Scott caked in cheese puff dust. He was masculine without trying. He also enjoyed the pleasures of other men. Shout out to my fellow bi or pansexuals. Yet the power lay within the sand snakes. The devious vipers dripped in gold and poisons. The women. These women would have been the arsenic poisoners had they been cast in Chicago's cell block tango. A song I have personally had on repeat since Donald Trump started denying the election results. Just saying. Only the men of Dorne could at least fucking recognize the women's venom, and instead of keeping them submissive by making prostitution illegal for anyone who couldn't pay off the officers or get lawyers to bully someone else into submission, or even, you know, being taken advantage of by the officers themselves, no. The men in Florida would rather keep things like prostitution and drugs illegal even though the economy suffers and their tax dollars pay for someone to be in jail for soliciting themselves at the same time that they purchase a $40 meal at Applebee's and think it entitles them to sex in real life. In reality, the ones in power are those like Dave Portnoy, who continue to support politicians who act like this, are the ones who know that they would never actually get laid if women understood what pathetic options are available and their wealth didn't mean anything. Honey, save yourself the trouble and just talk to lonely pay pigs on the internet. At least they're aware they're both pigs and will pay you adequately for your time. You can always just tell people that you're an accountant. Bottom line is, the white men in Game of Thrones, other than Samuel Tarly and Jorah Mormont, were mostly trash. About what I expected ratio-wise, you know. A few final thoughts. I would also probably fuck Bran in his wheelchair. Something about him being all-knowing just makes him look like a human encyclopedia of knowledge and gets me all hot and bothered. Plus, he's one with the trees, and I have this weird love for trees because I feel at home amongst them. We can all blame Orlando Bloom as Legolas for probably being the reason for my bisexuality (laughs) from a young age. And growing up, knowing the trees around our house built on a slope was purposely done so because the trees protected our house from both lightning and then the F5 tornado that came through in 2002. I just really feel safe amongst them. They offer security. They cradled my car when I totaled it and went 30 yards into the tree line, but they protected me. I'm the Lorax of the 21st century, and I will never not speak for the trees. To answer your questions, yes, I will eventually rewatch Lord of the Rings and do episodes on my perceptions for each movie as well. Quarantine needs this. How cool is it that George R. R. Martin used ravens, too? And ravens can genetically pass on grudges towards individual humans for generations, Maleficent style. This is why people need to study science and focus less on dating, so we can save the world and make really cool, entertaining, educational shows thanks to all of our cool new animal facts. Let's have Disney order a live action of The Little Mermaid with those people who work at Wikiwaki Springs in Florida, 
and just have season after season of like deep sea Barbie meets below deck meets NCIS exploring the oceans, (laughs) which by the way, we have no clue what are in. Can we just take a brief pause to imagine our own version of Ariel navigating shark infested waters with her Jar Jar Binks version of a sidekick and flounder through the different oceans around the world in modern day? She could come upon things like submarines carrying kilos of cocaine to Miami, uh, Chinese submarines lounging where they shouldn't be, realistically, more likely American, seven new species of whales. Disney could totally take Ariel and watch and make her into a Wonder Woman-esque superhero of sorts, but no. She has to warn about the perils of signing an NDA or failing to thoroughly read and consider a contract that the other party is aware is taking advantage of you the entire time, as if we didn't watch that also play out in real life with Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun. Whether it was my parents' divorce or this, I have successfully and thoroughly been forewarned about entering a legal contract with a man, so shout out to her. Taylor, thankfully, had the fucking badassery to stick it to the man, pun intended, and use her voice for awareness and knowledge, and continues to use her voice for awareness and knowledge, to speak out against injustice, to understand and utilize the power of her platform for good, and to always be true to herself and openly vulnerable in both soft and hardened pain. No. Instead, we get stuck with a centaur version of a manatee who gives up everything for a man that was too visually driven to realize she literally did not speak. It is truly no wonder the men in our country struggle to understand consent or intimidation or all that jazz. Alright, that about sums it up for this episode. I still love Game of Thrones and have long given up on ever living to read The Winds of Winter, but I'm sure I'll be back to expand on this topic eventually. Please rate positively and subscribe if that's your thing. Pretty sure it's a disclaimer I probably should start including in these. This is your host, Zeta Grace. Follow me on Instagram if you want insight to me mutilating topics like this on a regular basis, along with some thirst traps. Have a great day.